Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong. Jack, you back, Jack. And Joe Getty. Joey, baby. Things are getting weird. And they're getting weird fast. Armstrong and Getty. But I know this. They're loco. And everyone knows it. But the dramatics could come down just a little bit. And now, here's Armstrong and Getty. Discussed earlier, uh, Wall Street Journal with a fabulous and troubling editorial. Uh, American children, young Americans are dying at alarming rates, reversing years of progress. The numbers are horrifying, horrifying. And we're focused on right these two numbskulls. I think Harry, I think Harry and Meghan have the opportunity or maybe have already passed what I thought was the most annoying couple of all time. J-Lo and A-Rod oh, when they yeah. were together. I think so. Yeah, and that's that's a tough title to win. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's a bold statement, but I think you're right. So uh, if you, my friends, have had to, and I know a lot of you have, sit through the insulting, racist, illogical, cruel, idiotic DEI training in recent years, take heart. There might be a little progress on that front. Maybe. This is from the New York Times, which, uh, to their credit, uh, published a piece. When was this? Uh, in January of this year. We talked about it. What if diversity training is doing more harm than good? They go into a bunch of studies. Well, first they point out that $3.4 billion was spent on this training. In 2020 alone. Wow. It's a multi-billion dollar business. Marching in and giving your your employees or you a, a stern lecture on how white people are evil and always evil and always will be evil unless you get on your knees and genuflect to our radical theories. 
But it's so completely unnecessary, too. I mean, it's not only annoying and time-wasting and everything. It's just, it's just unnecessary. It doesn't need to exist. Well, yeah, and they mention in these studies that it does more harm than good. It, it causes uh, feelings of unhappiness and I, racial resentment and the rest of it to rise. I don't doubt that. Oh. I, I walk out of any of those kind of trainings angry. <laughs> there, uh, The New York Times with a different article, why some committees are saying diversity and belonging instead of diversity and inclusion. You know, the, the names, the words don't matter because they'll change them next week anyway. That's part of the thing. They can't change it constantly. You have to adopt the changes constantly, or that makes you a racist and a bad person. So you're always on your heels, and you never say, I don't believe this stuff. I think it's bunk. It's it's just it's rules for radicals. It goes way back. The Communist Party did it constantly. What's the party line? That's where that term comes from. Anyway, so this article starts with the description of a really old-school aerospace company where... Uh, you know, people had to wear bow ties to work until the 1990s. <laughs> and so the CEO, uh, I guess he's the uh, the HR officer, chief HR officer, said, you know, we probably ought to, like, get into the modern era a little bit around here. And he he did some searching and he came across a black comedian and former media personality named Kareth Foster. She's the CEO of Inver- Inversity Solutions a consultancy that rethinks traditional diversity programming. And Ms. Foster said companies must address racism, sexism, homophobia, anti-Semitism in the workplace, but she believes that an overemphasis on identity groups and a tendency to reduce people to victim or villain can strip agency away from and alienate everyone, including employees of color. This is a woman who's got a bit of wisdom, and I salute her. She says her approach allows everyone, quote, to make mistakes, to say the wrong thing sometimes and be able to correct it. And they go into a description of her her opening seminar for the company. Shortly after taking the stage, she asked everyone to close your eyes and raise their hands in response to a series of provocative questions. Had they ever locked the car when a black man walked by? Had they thought, yes, Jewish people are especially good with money? Had they questioned the intelligence of someone with a thick southern accent? What was that second one? Jewish people really are good with money. <laughs> okay. Um, questioning the intelligence of somebody with a, a southern accent. People raised their hands tentatively, even fearfully. But by the time Ms. Foster finished the list, nearly every hand in the room, including her own, was up. And she said, congratulations, you're certified human beings. It's not about being right or wrong, but understanding when bias comes into play. And just being aware of it. So it is definitely not the Robin D'Angelo, white people are evil, uh, white fragility, DEI, Black Lives Matter stuff. It's, look, we all come to life with certain attitudes. Just be aware of them and understand if a southern guy walks in, he's an engineer and he's from Mississippi, you can't think this guy's an idiot. Just be aware of bias when it creeps in. It's It's much more... Just even-handed and reasonable. It's, do we need, it's a psychology class. Do we need this, though? Yeah, a psychology class. That's what I was thinking. This is kind of an interesting thing to have in college. Do you need that in your sea of insurance agents who are sitting in cubicles typing in orders to function? Well, that depends on your point of view. If, um, if, 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 if I was she, a black man with a southern accent, I might answer that question differently than I would. 
And I'm I'm ready to concede that. But don't you think uh, 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 Jim over there in that cubicle will quickly figure out? Oh, he's not dumb. I I might have thought he was dumb because he had a southern accent, but he's not now that I know him. Well, if I mean, he doesn't, Jim's an idiot, and you ought to fire him. <laughs> I just I don't know. Why don't you straighten up, Jim? Uh, but then they go into some credits worry. It's about making white people comfortable rather than addressing systemic inequality. Blah 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 blah. Yeah, nice. Uh, the belonging obsession. I'm I'm skipping large swaths of this article, but um, it's all about belonging. The belonging obsession is the result of a now widespread corporate standard. Jack, I know you love this. Bring your whole self to work. If you have the flexibility to work wherever you want and the freedom to discuss the social and political issues that matter to you, then ideally you'll feel that you belong at your company. Bring your whole self to work. Wow, all of your attitudes and beliefs and and. Talk about them constantly and openly. What was that sentence there about the political issues? That's something. Uh, <laughs> the freedom to discuss the social and political issues that matter to you. Who wants their coworker, who they're already kind of annoyed with, to bring their social and political issues to work? And Nobody about wants that. <laughs> Nobody. Nobody wants that. Nobody. Except maybe the snowflakiest members of, of uh, Gen Z. It's an idiotic idea. That's exactly the opposite of what you ought to do. Right. Go and do your damn job. The rest of you is for your friends. Maybe your relatives who are rolling their eyes the minute you turn your back. Well, I have a feeling the crowd that wants it is, a, is picturing having uh, enjoyable conversations with people they agree with as opposed Exclusively to running. Exclusively <laughs> people they agree with. <laughs> Instead of running into somebody who has completely different opinions. Yeah, if somebody says, you know, I, I disagree, I, and it was interesting, I witnessed, I overheard quite an animated discussion in the office here um, the other day. I, I'm going to be vague about it. I don't want anybody calling me and asking me for the particulars. If you do, I'll say I can't remember. Um, Made it up. Everything we say on the air is fiction. Always remember that. Every single thing. In fact, we're AI generated, the two of us. Um, anyway, it was quite the animated discussion about drag shows for children. And it got personal and heated. Anyway. Really? Um, Here? Yeah. Yeah. Who was it? <laughs> it was Mo and Larry in accounting. Do you know who it was, Michael? No. No, and it wasn't me. Think about it. Anyway. Um <laughs> I have some guesses. <laughs> They're probably correct. Um, where, where where was I going with that? Oh, the idiotic idea of bringing your your quote unquote whole self to work. Yeah, I mean, if you're t going on and on about how wonderful you think trans acceptance is, and I say to mutilate the bodies of adolescents or feed them hormones because of a momentary confusion during puberty is cruel and it's child abuse. I, I'm bringing my whole self to work. Are you going to say, hey, Joe, I really appreciate you sharing what's in your heart? <laughs> no, you're going to effing explode. Right. And you're going to run weeping to HR saying there's a hater and a transphobe in the office. You lying punks. God, that is the craziest idea ever. I know. I know. That, how could How could you possibly think that would work? Jonathan Haidt, social psychi uh, psychologist, professor at NYU, and one of my heroes, wishes we weren't having this conversation about identity and belonging. Quote, at a time of rising political polarization, many people's whole selves don't fit with the whole selves of their colleagues. No I've way. heard it from so many managers. They can't stand it anymore. The constant conflict over identities. Wow. So whoever came up with this idea, do they actually just feel like 
everybody agrees? Or the people that don't agree will keep quiet because they're on the wrong side of history? Well, exactly. And and that's the hubris of the A, stupid, and B, intellectually belligerent and rigid. The idea that, well, my ideas are the right ones. And so those ideas can be shared openly. People who disagree with me, they have the wrong ideas. So I don't understand what you're saying. You think they should be able to share those too? But they're wrong. I mean, can you imagine being that intellectually stunted? No. It's got to be scary. But I know some people with degrees who believe that. Yeah, well, wisdom and intelligence are two different things. I like this. Um, it's a quote from a Muslim fella who says, uh, a lot of this stuff is almost an offensive focus on group labels. It all but compels people to stereotype each other. I happen to be Muslim and a faithful Muslim, but that doesn't mean I interpret Islam like every other Muslim out there. And, uh, oh, I'm sorry, it was a, a gal. She believes that people now use belonging as a tacit acknowledgement that uh, blah, blah, blah. Quit with the identity stuff. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. During the uh, commercial break, I need to finish a text to my daughter. We had a conversation last night that didn't quite go the way I'd hoped it would for various reasons. But uh, she called uh, in in a bit of a state because she, who is uh, headed for law school, allegedly, just found out what her number one school of choice would cost. With, like, room and board if she stays in grad student housing and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And it is $77,000 per year. That's reasonable. The idea, well, and if she lived off campus and, and it would be in the, I think, low 50s, something like that. The idea that it costs a law school $50,000 plus per student to impart knowledge that is generally available. Now, if you have a skilled teacher, they can help a student absorb it more thoroughly. You know, we know what learning is. I don't have to explain learning to you. What's learning? But the idea that it's anywhere near, that it's even a, a significant fraction of that amount is obscene. It's idiotic. It's unjustifiable. It's a scam. It's unfreaking believable. Yeah, really is. Well, it's be it's because of uh, like I have a certain garment I'm wearing a day today that is more expensive because of the name on it. That's the only reason it's more expensive is because of the name on it. There are other garments that are That's just your as Louis good. Vuitton jockstrap, of course. There are other garments that are just as good, but they don't have the same name on it. So it's right. just an image thing. That's what a lot of this is, right? If you if you if you get to certain rankings and so it carries a certain amount of clout and too many people, particularly the elite class of America, has bought into this. It's the same thing. Oh, you're wearing a degree that has that name on it. Ooh, nice. Right. Exactly. And and one of the most important things you're going to learn in life and a lot of you already know this uh, is what a nonprofit or a not for profit means like a, a university, a major university. Uh, it, Jack and I could form a nonprofit. We would solicit donations, get a ton of them, and then we would pay each other half million dollar a year salary. We did for a but many, we would make no profit for many of the beginning years of our radio career. We did form a nonprofit. Yeah, <laughs> essentially, yeah. Anyway, 
Unfreaking believe what a scam. So uh, Joelle Merzel is a 49-year-old small business owner, author, and mother of three. She is on a mission, a jihad. Jihad Two. <laughs> yes, Mitt Romney, what did you say? It's this century's nightmare. Jihadism. There you go. Wow. Thanks, Mitt. Uh, her jihad is to convince American households and federal officials that it is safe and preferable to keep butter at room temperature instead of refrigerated. I agree. Well, I agree 100%. I agree. Says the Wall Street Journal, her key, that word again is journal, her Quixotic crusade would liberate butter sticks from a lifetime in the cold, moving from refrigerated trucks to a chilled dairy case of grocery stores to built-in refrigerator cubbies. Enough is enough, God, says Miss Merzel. God, I hate hard butter. Nothing makes me more angry than you have some delicious bread and the butter is like a rock, especially at a nice restaurant. Oh, I'll overturn the table and walk out. I freaking despise that, too. Well, the waiter Enough. better guard his eyes because he's going to get a fork. <laughs> oh, wow. 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 Bring me some soft butter. I do know this, though. While I agree with the whole idea of uh, I don't know who introduced me to the idea of having the butter stick in a little platter with a little lid on it. The little whatever yeah. you call those things. And you leave it out. A so the butter soft. dish. Butter dish. OK. Mm -hmm. yeah. I do know personally. A guy, really nice guy. I like him who was dating a uh, very attractive girl I know also, but I know that she broke up with him because he had his butter stick just sitting out on the counter. Oh, Like not no. a, in a Cover. tray or wasn't covered or on a tray. It was just sitting on the counter. Like uh, on the wax paper it comes in or just naked? No, just, just naked on the counter. Like physically wow, on the linoleum or marble or whatever the hell it is. That's a deal breaker. Yeah, well, it was for her. It yeah, was I don't blame for her. her. That's a That's sign. That's the tip of the iceberg of weirdness. <laughs> That's why the relationship ended. <laughs> so there's more to this. I got to get to you. Uh, uh, da, da. Enough is enough, said Mrs. Mertzel, who lives in Northridge, uh, part of Los Angeles. I want to eliminate confusion about putting butter on the counter. She said she came to her epiphany one morning about 14 years ago. She'd forgotten to put away the butter the night before and at breakfast discovered how easy it was to spread. Oh, it's awesome. Quote, my life changed in so many ways that moment, she said. <laughs> what? <laughs> she has since written a children's book, Change Your Life for the Butter. Oh, my God. And developed God. a line of countertop holders with flip-top lids that keep clear of the softened butter inside. Change your life for the butter. My life changed in so many ways at that moment, she said. <laughs> Man, you got some good fresh bread and some butter that you can actually spread Ooh. on it. Doesn't get much better than that. Can that bread be hot right out of the oven? That's funny though. Every time I have Our bread, toaster. every time I have bread now, I think about the doctor warned us about bread the last time my kids had their physical. Stay away from bread. Don't eat too much. I'd never had. I mean, I'm aware of it, but I'd never had the doctor specifically say bread as <laughs> like the yeah. lead thing to watch out for. Well, I had bread this morning. I feel great, and I look great, frankly. <laughs> Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty, the Armstrong and Getty Show. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market. 
as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, from the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center, Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Uh, Armstrong and Getty. These are bad guys. That is especially true. So bizarre and so grotesque. Yup. Okay. Well, that was unnecessarily frank, but how can this show be on one hand sometimes so highbrow, yet be what it is the rest of the time? Come on. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Wanted to touch on a handful of stories that all are uh, on the same theme, essentially, and that's the crumbling of America's government schools. And I'm just going to touch on each of these things fairly briefly, with a couple of exceptions. Um, but it's notable, I think, that they come from media outlets left, right, and center. Uh, for instance, the New York Times is reporting, it's not just math and reading, U.S. history scores for 8th graders have plunged. And it's not just the pandemic. Uh, about 40% of 8th graders scored below basic in U.S. history last year, and basic is low. Uh, significantly lower than ever before. Just 13% of 8th graders were considered proficient. And they mention in a very New York Timesian way that, yeah, part of it was the, uh, the pandemic, but part of it was that teaching history has become somewhat controversial in, in, uh, around America. So I, um, I'll be vague about this. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings or get anybody in trouble, but a, uh, a grade schooler I know saying completely unprovoked, 
and not having heard any complaints in their home about this, actually said on the discussion of history, how come the only history we learn about is black history? Yeah, yeah. And then charmingly, the New York Times, as it usually does, uh, said uh, President Biden's education secretary, Miguel Cardona, seized on the results, admonishing politicians for trying to limit instruction in history, often on topics of race, a trend that has played out in dozens of states, typically Republican-controlled. Now is not the time that banning history books and censoring educators, blah, blah, blah. So, in other words, if anybody pushes back on the not teaching American history, just teaching activist, racialist history, then they are considered the perverters of of historic education. It's something. So reading, math, science, and history, disastrous results in government schools and getting worse. Other than that, they're doing terrifically well. Moving along, schools are ditching homework and deadlines in favor of equitable grading. We talked about this uh, when it was first implemented a couple of years ago. It became hot. And all I'm going to tell you uh, is briefly, they go through a bunch of school districts, including uh, Las Vegas, where teachers are saying things like, this has not worked out like we expected it to. We're really setting students up for a false sense of reality. If you get a job in real life, you can't pick and choose what tasks you want to do and only quote do the big ones um and so that's and this is so frustrating because anybody with the least understanding human nature knew this that if you give kids the entire semester to finish something let them take tests over and over again i get that from you know in a the point of view of like an open-hearted, I just want kids to learn, and if this kid takes longer than the others, I don't want him, quote-unquote, punished, as long as he learns it eventually. That's a very nice attitude. Sure. I get it, too. If humans weren't humans. Right. I it wouldn't have worked on me. I need deadlines. Uh, let's see. Uh, Samuel Wang, a senior at uh, high school in Las Vegas, has spoken out against the grading changes, saying they provide incentives for poor work habits. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. There's an apathy that pervades, pervades the entire classroom, he said. Students are prone to skip class now unless there's an exam. Nobody feels motivated to do anything, which, again, was obvious if you knew how human beings are. Moving along. Chicago drops public school ratings in favor of a less punitive system for assessing schools. What does that sound like to you, sir? Less punitive. So if I'm getting bad grades, I I say, can we come up with a less punitive way of judging how I'm doing? The Chicago (laughs) Board of Education on Wednesday voted to replace its school ratings policy with one that's intended to provide information about a range of school characteristics. From how students perform on state tests to whether instruction is rigorous and student-centered to whether a school environment is healing. All right, so you get a an A on your student environment is healing, but your people can't read. But overall, you know, you know, but the instruction is rigorous and student centered. Nobody can read, write, or do arithmetic. But by golly, the environment is healing. So they're going to drop the ratings of the schools that were based on academic achievement and go with mush in Chicago. Speaking of Chicago. Lori Lightfoot, yes? I was just thinking about uh, uh, the, the number of people I've known as I got older uh, through my life before I had kids who their kids were straight-A students. And it's just like so many straight-A students. 
way more straight A students than existed when I was in school. Oh yeah, which is now a long time ago. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, we could absolutely talk about grade inflation, and uh, you know, even with grade inflation, school achievement is terrible because you don't get grades on like standardized tests. You get a score. How much do you know? You can't inflate mm-hmm. a, a wrong answer into a right one. So, uh, speaking of Chicago, Mayor Lori Lightfoot seemed to reject Randy Weingarten's claims that the evil head of the American Federation of Teachers. You remember when she went before Congress and made all sorts of outlandish claims about how hard they were trying to reopen schools all through the pandemic? Uh, she said... We spent, oh, I'm sorry, uh, Weingarten said, we spent every day from February 2021 on trying to get schools open. And uh, Lori Lightfoot said, uh, that may have been what Randy was saying at the national level, and I believe that to be true. Uh, I had conversations with her at the time that led me to believe that's what she wanted to do, but that's not the reality that was happening on the ground in cities like Chicago, like Los Angeles, and other places. We needed to get our kids back in school. I'm unapologetic about the fight to make sure we put our kids and parents first, she responded. So that's a very diplomatic way to say, uh, sure, sure, but uh, the kids weren't in school and it was a disaster. And finally, I love this, the editorial board from the Wall Street Journal, Randy Weingarten's incredible COVID memory loss. Much still needs to be learned about long-term health effects of COVID-19, but we already know one of the clear long-term political effects, memory loss. That's the only way to explain why <laughs> longtime advocates of pandemic lockdowns are now denying they ever supported the school and economic shutdowns that did so much harm to so many. Then it goes back to that, that awful Randy Weingarten quote. Alas, her... Uh, where's the, we know that young people learn and connect best in person. So opening schools safely, even during a pandemic guided our actions, which I will describe in detail. Alas, they write her detail admitted a few things such as her description in July, 2020 of the Trump administration's push to reopen schools for in-person learning that autumn as this reckless, this callous, this cruel. That summer, she also endorsed teacher safety strikes if unions deemed local reopening protocols to be inadequate. Hundreds of private and charter schools did open that fall without the surge of illness that Ms. Weingarten claimed to fear. She also left out the detail that local union affiliates were the most aggressive opponents of school reopening throughout 2021 and even into 2022. Uh, we are practically begging the Chicago Teachers Union to come to the table so we can get a deal done, said Lori Lightfoot. In February 2021, we are begging them, and they won't even come to the table. I've given up on the idea that there's ever going to be the great reckoning on this whole thing. But it's amazing to me that we weren't able to have a national discussion about this when the evidence was so clear of private school right here. You go a couple of miles away. Here's a public school. One's open. One's closed. Everything's fine at the open school. What's your argument? What's your argument? But yet the public schools stayed closed for months and months and months, like a full year longer in one case that I know. And in, you know, with the exception of a couple of think pieces that have made their way into the New York Times, for instance, or whatever, uh, we haven't really confronted that in a broad way. And I would guess that blue state and blue city America, uh, they might not even realize how many private schools and charter schools were wide open and doing great. Right. I'll bet they don't even know it. 
But to finish up this Wall Street Journal thing, I like their conclusion. After Governor Ron DeSantis ordered Florida schools, oh, he mentioned they mentioned that the Chicago Union voted against in-person learning again and again and again. They wouldn't relent. After Ron DeSantis ordered Florida schools to reopen in autumn 2020, the Florida Education Association sued the state to keep them closed. The schools opened, much to the benefit of students who learn far better in person, according to all the evidence. We could cite many other union quotes and efforts. Ms. Weingarten and others are trying to rewrite history because they realize now far too late that their lockdowns are unpopular. The public can see the damage and lost learning and livelihoods. The lockdown lobbyists want everyone to forget it all happened, but it's important for democratic accountability that they don't get away with it. Well, I wouldn't hold your breath waiting for accountability as we've been discussing lately. Nobody seems to be in favor of that. Educations are about the, f- oh, I'm sorry, educations. Elections are about the future, not the past. Right. You hear that all the freaking time. Can you think of a reason a politician might say that? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I was just looking up at the TV screens I got in here uh, with um, the thousands of people that are living on the streets in these border towns as 10,000 people are crossing every day. Every day. And uh, there's no place for them to go, obviously, and everything. And, And while listening to you talk about dropping test scores and... And no wonder we had that poll to cite last week of three quarters of Americans thinking, what was the question? Is America out of control or whatever? Mm -hmm. Um, No wonder. No wonder. We have 10,000 people coming across the border every day. We don't know who they are, what their skills are, where they're going to go. The people that are here, our schools are just that we we, we expect to demand nothing of anybody. Don't hold the teachers accountable while we throw more money than ever at them. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleha Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, 
You can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I suspected that Sweetgreen was ripping me off with my online orders. And with the help of a cheap kitchen scale, I was able to prove it. On average, I got 16% less food when I ordered online. So if you want a filling meal from Sweetgreen, ditch your phone and order face-to-face. So there's a guy claiming, well, at least at that, well, I don't know what Sweetgreen is. It is a restaurant or? I believe it's like Chipotle. Okay. But so he's he's saying that when you order online, they give you less food than when you're there in person? Mm, I'd like to know more about his data set. That seems odd. Why would they do that? Yeah, I don't know what the motivation would be. Michael, is there more to this story? No, but I've experienced this. I'm just saying. You you have? Oh, yeah. I've dined in person and got nice, big, large portions, then ordered the same meal to go. It was small. I, I need. I need. I don't need nice large portions. I need nice smaller portions of everything everywhere I go. I, I very rarely, except for like an expensive steak, sometimes be the only times I ever get food and think eh, this is it. Usually, it's like, good God, this is giant. Why did we each right. order our own food? <laughs> no human being should ever eat this many French fries. Or eat a cheeseburger this big, or eat a burrito this big, or whatever the right. hell it is. Right, right. Yeah. Oh, my God. Speaking of eating, uh, Judy and I have had some dear friends of ours in town for several days now visiting, and they're on vacation. I've been working. I mean, to the working. Um <laughs> But uh, generally, uh, get off the air, and they come back from some morning adventure or whatever, and then we the, the, the day drinking begins and the eating and the rest of it. It's been festive and great fun. Uh, but, you know, you can't be on vacation your whole life. But so it was decided while I was working yesterday that what we really ought to do, the four of us, the two couples, is put together this giant new gas grill that I just bought. Hmm. That's pretty complicated. You have to assemble it. It's multiple cooking surfaces and all, and that would be a fun thing to do. What an interesting idea. I've never, oh. never considered that before. We have people over. Hey, let's let's put together something complicated as a team. It's almost like a, uh, a team-building exercise. Yes, which, which frequently go awry. Yeah, right. Well, so and and you know how everybody kind of has a different style. Yes, of absolutely. With the frustrations and the uh, lack of clarity in the instructions. My style would be: How about you all three do something else, and I'll build this on my own. <laughs> well, see, that's the thing. Some of us are more collaborators than others. Some of us are more willing to share our opinions uh, than others, uh, with varying levels of confidence. 
Uh, but so it was an interesting exercise. I would. Oh, my God. That's a gutsy thing to do, even with people you're close friends with. In fact, I'd be less likely to want to do it with people I'm friends with. Well, the funny thing was, it was their last afternoon in town. And so I think everybody thought, all right, if this melts down and people start yelling at each other, <laughs> this is going to be devastating. So we got to keep it friendly. So everybody sipped on some cervezas and we worked at it. But I almost want to name the product, the, the brand, I should say. Um, I'm not going to. But I am going to review them online, and I am going to unleash my full eloquence slash sarcasm. Their instructions, their assembly instructions, were entirely nonverbal, just pictures. Yeah, that's a new thing. But I the think pictures, it saves money. You don't have to print different versions with different languages. Oh, oh Lord. I was going to say, is it for the illiterate community or what? You're probably <laughs> right with that. But... So, but these pictures were too small, right? Utterly unclear, absolutely, and, and frequently just mystifying. <laughs> I mean, you got four intelligent adults looking at it and saying, "I can't tell where it's supposed to go." I've had that experience recently, where I said, "We're all college graduates. You have an advanced degree, and none of us can figure out this thing." <laughs> well, right, and we'd run into things like uh, you're supposed to put in the little tabs that the the casters go on the wheels. And but in two of the holes, there's metal in the way. Well, as it turns out, you just bend the metal out of the way. But wait a minute. You can't just willy nilly go bending the thing if you don't like the shape you find. Well, I don't know. The screw doesn't seem to be going in here. So I'm just going to drill another hole. I mean, that's not the way you're supposed to assemble these things, <laughs> but they would tell you. Well, luckily the company has a couple of plucky young women in a YouTube video assembling mm, the grill. That's so helpful. you could watch that. Of course, that's completely nonverbal. It's frequently from too far away. Their hands are hidden behind the panels of the grill, so you can't see what the F they're doing. <laughs> they don't show you which of the screws they're using. And they sit there like mute, I don't know, AI-created robots smiling at the camera while they do something you can't see. Oh, and then I call their, gosh, dang it, I'm more fired up than I realized about this. I called their, their helpline, right? We are experiencing a higher volume of calls, and usually your wait time will be less than 10 minutes. About two minutes later, they say, we know your time is valuable. Would you like to be placed on our callback list? And we will call you as soon as an agent is available. And I thought, yeah, that's a good idea. So I go ahead and select that, and they say, thank you. You will receive a call. It occurred to me two and a half hours later that they had not called. <sighs> not at all. It was probably after business hours where their company right. is located, but... Uh, so I just, uh, I'm honestly, as a free market guy, because I, I was aware going in that this was a problem, judging by the reviews. The reviews of the product are terrific, both professional and user reviews. The reviews of the assembly procedure are scathing. I, for instance, and, and our buddy Matt Gray, filmmaker, videographer, we could go in there and in an afternoon assemble one of the grills with helpful hints and now you may find this part challenging but the key to it is seat the back first then click the front end just little hints like that we could do that in an afternoon why don't they 
I don't know. I do come across YouTube videos a lot where people, you know, for profit on their own are assembling things, and that that's very, very handy. But they, they have nothing to do with the company. They've just, you know, created their own site where they assemble things. Um, yeah, that's, like, that's, I, that's good. I, I did that with a big screen TV not long ago. There's there's a guy who he just installs big screen TVs and shows you how to do them. But he's independent and makes his money that way. But, yeah, I, I how many times my kids would tell you this, how many times I've yelled, I want the guy who designed this right here on. I want him to show me how you do it. Go ahead, smart guy. Show me how you do this. Armstrong and Getty. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.